Attention culture consumers, join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights, Colleen McMillan, Flo Siegel, and Anders Drew, on Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Bubba Gump Shrimp Company restaurants were founded. Ooh, <laughs> what? A chain of a chain of food restaurants that was just I've, I've never stepped inside of one. I know friends who worked inside of them at like Times Square and stuff. But I bring up food restaurants because the first episode has a lot of food involved. Oh. It's all about restaurants. It really is. It, oh, God. I, I knew exactly what the reference was, but dear. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yes, because our first episode, we're talking about three episodes today. We're talking about episodes 9, 10, and 11 of season one of Static. This includes the episodes of Winds of Change, Bent Out of Shape, and Junior in that order. And the first episodes where we're introduced to uh, shrimp, hot dogs, Burgers, just everything you could think of. All you all, name it. <laughs> just the time of Thanksgiving, y'all. <laughs> so today, as we mentioned, we're talking about episodes nine through eleven, where our main cast is back, and we got our special cast, including um, Bumper Robinson, who is back once again. You know, we saw him in an earlier episode. I think one of our first episodes here on the Static Shock series. He's returning to play Heavy C, a.k.a. Slipstream. You got to do it like that just because I, I think of Heavy D. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Next we have in her, this was her first one. I just realized this. This was her first of many, and I mean many, DC voiceover roles that include Hot Girl from Justice League, the animated series, as we have the mom from Wizards of Waverly Place, Maria Canals, as the news reporter in a couple of episodes. And this was one of her first ones to be introduced in. Oh, nice. Then we got Kadeem Hardison is back as the rubber band man in one of our episodes. Kimberly Brooks, who is, has a long list of just like voiceover talents. Just like, she's still going. She's here as Puff in one of our episodes. And last but not least, Andrew, this might be your favorite one of all time. Matt Ballard is voicing Edwin Alva Jr. Matt Ballard. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why am I losing the name? Who 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 did Ballard do? Please give up, enlighten us all. Because he voiced another character, your favorite character of this series so far, Carmen Dillo. Oh, yes. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to say Tusk and I would have just, I don't know. Who if knows? I we had to look that. this up. He might have voiced <laughs> Tusk and Carmen Dillo. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Tusk said much, but you know what? In our university, did 
Yeah, you know, he spoke volumes with his actions. <laughs> so we open up, we're dropping right into our episode now. The first one being Winds of Change as we are back at Burger Fool. This place makes more appearances than Big Belly Burger in the <laughs> CWTDC universe, I swear. Now, right away with this episode, like, there's a bunch of kids eating the burgers and they're like, oh, it looks green. I'm like, what? What are the health code regulations <laughs> at Burger Fool that your burger is green? I low-key thought it was like a slice of lettuce and that was the slice. I hear that, sir. <laughs> you, know, you know, why is there green on my burger? <laughs> you felt heard. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but uh, even though that everybody's a bit disgusted over the food, that's not going to stop Heavy C because he's here. He's starts stealing and eating all the food off of everyone's trays much to everyone's just like anger and disenjoyment over this fact so they decide to do the one thing that they can do to protect their food and basically start a food fight in the fast food joint (laughs) and you know i'm impressed because these three random bystanders have enough energy from the rotten food to stand up (laughs) a heavy sea and as this fight is commencing, some wind starts blowing, and Heavy C just goes, oh, snap, I'm a bang baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's just really random, too, because it starts off that, like he's like losing this battle. Then he slips on some fallen soda. I, I, don't, I don't even see any ice for him to step on <laughs> to slip off of. But as he discovers, as he has this power over wind, we immediately cut from that entire scene as we jump on over to the abandoned junkyard of solitude where Virgil's meeting up with Richie as we got a new weapon in the static arsenal, the zap cap. Yeah, these useful weapons allow you to store electricity for late, later, not unlike a stun gun, but with much more electricity as we find <laughs> out later on. And static is just not impressed. He's like, I make electricity. Why, why, why would I need these? And Richie's like, you know, just in case and and static is just not having it and you can sense there's some tension between the two developing yeah because virgil is at this point he's just like you know i was about to head on over to meet up with daisy daisy who we met a couple episodes back who's seeming to be more and more of a love interest or future love interest for virgil but richie is very nice senses some jealousy towards it towards that relationship there as Richie's telling him that, like, no, you can't be out here hanging out with Daisy. You got to be practicing. You know, who's to say if, like, you hanging out with Daisy could mean, like, in the next fight, you lose because you weren't trained up. So Virgil decides, like, you know what? It's cool. I understand what you're saying. However, I want to make some time for myself as well. So let's meet back up at five. I'll work with Daisy the entire time. And then, you know, you and I will meet up for some training. And like typical hangouts with any girls, it went on a little bit longer because things were going so well. And Richie tries to interrupt and bring Virgil out. But Virgil just isn't ready to leave yet. And again, this tension between the two is only growing because they just, Virgil wants some space. He doesn't, he wants to spend more time with Daisy doing his own thing. Cause you know, he has a busy schedule so he can understand why he wants a, a break from it now and again. Yeah. And as the two of them lead into this argument between the two of just like, you know, Richie seems to be done. We cut to a scene where Virgil's chilling at home. He's listening to his headphones on the CD player that this time does not have the base of a Bose. <laughs> <laughs> And Sharon walks into the room to drop off the laundry. She tells him that, yo, uh, Richie's been calling you. He's been calling you for the last couple of minutes, like repeatedly back and forth, back and forth. Virgil's like, you know what? It's cool. I needed my space from him anyway. And at this moment, it seems like Sharon wants to kind of like investigate what's going on. But it's also clear that because she knows her role as an older sister, she's like, I ain't got time for this. I'm handling your laundry, your drawers. So I'm gonna need you to put your stuff away. As Richie finally gets a hold of Virgil on one of the shock boxes that Virgil has in his backpack. Yep, after he gets this this beeper slash Insta DM to his shock box, <laughs> he finds out that Heavy C, who has now renamed himself Slipstream, is terrorizing the Dakota Water Park. <laughs> I have no idea why this is the first place to go to. <laughs> I uh I had a question, like, 
I, I don't know where the geography, where's Dakota supposed to be? <laughs> like in the United States, like Chicago, maybe? Uh, like, I, I think it's more, this is clear, clearly we did not get a proper geography, like education at school. <laughs> um, I think it's more east. It's like kind of south of where we're at. Oh, right, because he has to be close enough to get to Batman later on. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Virginia. Maybe that's yeah. what it was meant to. Yeah, I, I, wherever he is, I'm like, okay, sure. There's a water park within easy access to. Oh, well, we know at least at this point, it gets hot in Dakota that they had to build a water park. I guess. I, I guess so. <laughs> and the food is apparently so good that Slipstream is again there to steal food and and sauerkraut. And only Static can can stop him. <laughs> so as Static is, you know, putting on a show, he's flying against the wind that Slipstream is creating. At the same time, Richie is there. He is uh, telling Static that, like, yo, you need to do this, need to do that. You know, you need to protect this section and that section. And basically back, like, backseat superheroing. Static is it for it because it's clearly it's a distraction for him. And in a moment in which uh, Static realizes that Richie is still in the vicinity of the attack, he's looking for Richie telling him to, yo, you need to get out the way because right now you're just, you're in, in a way where it's like, if anything goes wrong, you can get hurt. Richie in this moment still, once again, doesn't want to leave because he's super overprotective over Static in this scene. And while Static is distracted, Slipstream breaks out of whatever hold he had and sends some floaties and inner tubes at Static that wraps him up, causing Richie to straight up go into a shark-shaped go-kart and drive it to ram it into one of the water slides in the hopes to knock out Slipstream. Now, this singular moment inspired a new feature on this particular podcast, which is the biggest uh, Static collateral damage. I'm still working on the title. But the, 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 his biggest feat of destruction. Now, Sadix is not here yet. He's off the hook for now. We'll get to hit later in the episode. But right now, Richie destroys an entire water park structure, which is first saying very flimsy construction, Dakota Water Park, because one car should not be able to <laughs> knock down an entire water slide. But secondly, he does all of this and Slipstream still gets away. So <laughs> it was for absolutely no reason. And much like Spider-Man and Homecoming, everything falls on top of Static, leading to Static having to break himself out as Richie tries to dig him out. Unfortunately, Static is just like, you know what? I got it. This is no longer your issue. As Static finally breaks himself out, he walks away as the two finally come to a head in the abandoned gas station of Solitude as Virgil is upset that Richie keeps you know, being so overprotective of him. And Richie's upset that Virgil isn't taking his responsibility as a superhero seriously, leading to Richie finally quitting as the man in the chair. Yeah, and you could see the effect of this breakup when they go on the most hardcore comic shopping spree ever, where they go to <laughs> seven comic book shops in the same day to get all the issues, which I'm sure is something you can you can relate to. I can, but the thing that I'm still confused <laughs> about is like how were they able to afford all these comics? Because, like, <laughs> comics ain't cheap, <laughs> especially when you buy them in bulk like they are. And I can see why Static truly is hard up for money, because he's spending all his money on comics. Put down one, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need that new Swamp Thing knockoff. <laughs> and, yeah, Static tries to make it work with Daisy going to the comic book shops, but it just isn't the same. And you can see that, yeah, the strain of their relationship, their friendship is like being pushed to the breaking point. They still wanna hang out together. They just don't know how to reconcile. And since Slipstream is still out there, there's no time because now he's robbing banks and knocking over helicopters. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> This man knew how to definitely take down Dakota because one of the other things he does is that he attacks the Museum of Art and steals some paintings. Like he was, he just started as a supervillain like two days ago, and this man has done everything to put on his resume. <laughs> <laughs> so 
as, after he knocks out the the helicopter, uh, this is where we meet our reporter, Shelly Sandoval, who's going to be appearing in a couple more episodes of Static. Uh, she's reporting on the fact that his reign of terror is still continuing. Static is able to escape the, the comic book shop. And as Daisy's running out to see where Virgil is at, she runs into Richie, where the two of them are now looking on the fact that Static is trying to hold up this helicopter, which is just like increasing when you think about it. It's like when we first saw Static try to cast something midair, it was the limo. Now it's the helicopter. It's another thing later on in another episode. <laughs> so he's leveling enough right now. Yeah, his feats are getting getting uh, pretty strong. You know, he might be able to take on some Black Lightning soon, you know, at this rate. <laughs> might be stronger, who knows? But he saves the helicopter and he decides enough is enough. I gotta take on Slipstream. And they go and fight in the park. But despite his best efforts, Static just can't get ahead of Slipstream. He gets into a bit of a, a trouble and, he, and Slipstream shorts him out at an inopportune moment. So now he's out of power, trying to run away from Slipstream in the park. And Richie decides it's time to make a heroic entrance. So he gets on a scooter and he rides past the police. Nah, he hopped over the police car. <laughs> we need to check this boy and that scooter because that should be impossible. I owned the scooter when I was younger. I've never been able to jump over a pothole. This man jumped over a whole cop car, sirens and all. He, I don't know. He, he must have had some illegal modifications in that scooter. <laughs> some moon shoes or something <laughs> it's got the the hydraulics they put on the low riders just like tweaked <laughs> up a little bit he was that scooter was built by dominic toretto that's uh, what it was canon canon confirms <laughs> dom toretto's scooter yes and unfortunately the landing isn't so smooth because when he runs into slipstream richie busts his arm as he says i i sprain break i don't know but his arm is is broken yeah basically it's in the cast <laughs> oh no his arm it's broken, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily richie finds static and he has some of those zap caps from earlier and richie's like i don't know if you're gonna be able to throw them at slipstream if you can deflect everything and static goes Haha, don't need to throw them and he uses it for our favorite time of the episode the super saiyan power up and now Slipstream jumps on top of the bridge that Static and Richie are hiding under. So as he's trying to create the wind to, as quote unquote, as he said, to bring them to Oz, Static is able to bend the roof of it along with bringing forward the statue that was near them and a couple other things leading to, I believe, the next stage of our static collateral damage report. <laughs> yes, I, I think we're going to go with most shocking damage. Most shocking damage. I love it. <laughs> yes. I, and yes, he has this. Today, Virgil destroys a probably a longstanding monument in this park, as well as a as a, an old statue, just for <laughs> no reason. <laughs> well, he does catch Slipstream, so we'll give him credit. It, it did accomplish something, but the taxpayers are going to feel it the next next election year. Oh, yeah. So Static and Richie are back at school now. It's clear that they have made amends with each other. Daisy, who's been trying to parent track them throughout the entire episode, sees that they're talking. is very happy about this as uh, she realizes that, you know what, they definitely needed each other because some of the comments that she made were things like, you know, they're walking around like they're a one-man funeral pr procession. So she's very happy about the fact that these two are back together as our episode here comes to an end. Oh, and I do have to mention one quick line that I, I was laughing too hard at. That to explain Richie's broken arm, <laughs> Virgil says, oh, hey, yes. when you dive into a pool, make sure there's water next time. <laughs> Your cover stories, guys, you got to get better at these. I mean, at least it's an upgrade from he had to go get his BCR fixed because it was splashing at 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Like they've grown. They got a little better. That's fair. That's fair. Now that we finished that episode, we hop over to our next one where called Bent Out of Shape, where Virgil, Daisy, Richie, and Sharon are all standing outside of a theater. They're trying to get tickets to a concert. 
that's happening on the same day. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, they didn't pay in advance. They were just like, we'll just appear and we'll be able to buy a ticket then. Same day, two minutes before. I guess, you know, since the water park is no longer there, everyone just went to this concert um, <laughs> by uh, the, the, the new artist Stringer is, is the name. Mm-hmm. And... You know, they have no hope of getting to this concert until Sharon reveals, which I don't know why she didn't reveal this earlier, that she Yo, is <laughs> dating Stringer and is able to get everybody VIP passes. Luckily, this is sorted out later, but immediately I was like, how old is Stringer? Because Sharon is mm-hmm. 16 to 18, maybe? We don't know. Uh, Yeah, we don't. I don't think it's ever really said. I think she definitely is older than Virgil and Virgil's like fifth, maybe 14 or 15 in the show. So I wouldn't be right. surprised if she's like 16 to 18. Yeah. But agreed. Uh, Stringer, Stringer's looking a little, looking a little grown there. And in, uh, in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> as the, they're all talking. So this is when uh, Virgil and Richie, they're just ecstatic over the fact that they are able to head on to see a concert happening backstage. And as Sharon and Stringer are talking, it's clear that like Sharon wants more time Stringer, but Stringer wants to, he also wants that, but he still seems to be keeping her at a distance kind of like she's saying that she wants to be able to bond with him and connect with him, but she feels like there's something happening between them. So as Virgil and Richie, they find the food station and just like Shaggy and Scooby just go to town as they hear something between Stringer and his special effects kind of like pyrotechnic guy about a possible danger that can happen at this performance. Yes. And it's this Stringer guy is obsessed with fireworks. He wants to make the fireworks happen for some reason, just he is absolutely obsessed. And the guy's like, yo, uh, bro, I don't I don't know about these fireworks, man. They seem unsafe. And it's like, well, instantly, as a theater person, I was like, this conversation would never happen. You would have tested the fireworks prior to the show. There's, mm-hmm. You wouldn't just throw fireworks into the show live there's, there's <laughs> no way that's gonna happen because they're like the, the venue is too small it's like absolutely fire code would never let you so suspending my disbelief for a second um they he decides they're gonna go through with the fireworks and the concert is he's a keyboardist <laughs> yeah it's um i can see now why this was the same day pick up your tickets kind of concert because it's just him uh playing on his synth keyboard and then as soon as he looks over to his guy uh the pyrotechnic dude sets off the fireworks which immediately as we probably would have expected based off of, I don't know, years of just watching Final Destination, uh, <laughs> it immediately sets the stage on fire as everyone's trying to make their getaway. But unfortunately, the door is too small and, you know, bottlenecking here at work, everybody's trying to get out, but it's not enough time for everybody to evacuate to avoid this fire. So Static jumps into action. Yes, and I'll give him credit for this one because they, he had no other choice, but he does blast open the concert venue wall. Yes. Which, again, <laughs> there, is, there was not much choice here. So we're, we're going to give him a pass mm. and to get everybody out. And he immediately wastes no time. He chews out Stringer and says, what the hell were you thinking? You were way too upset with these fireworks, like obsessed with these. What happened? And then we realize a shocking fact. Stringer ain't Stringer. As soon as Sharon tries to leave with Stringer, Static pulls on his arm, and this leads to the, you know, Stretch Armstrong scenario as his arm is pulling back in, revealing that Stringer is the one and only rubber band man. But you all might have known this because if you remember from our episode a couple episodes back, you remember that in the comics, rubber band man's real name was Stringer. So this was their way of paying homage to the original character 
despite the name change that happened to, um, in the beginning of this series. So yeah. it also and, makes sense. Stringer, stringy, rubber band. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so bad I didn't think about that. <laughs> the two of them, rubber band man and static, are about to throw down. Uh, because it's clear that rubber band man has escaped from prison after he was put away after trying to take down the record executive from previous episodes. And as Rubber Band Man sees Sharon's disappointed face. All these cops coming through to take him in. He decides to escape and tell Static that, like, don't you worry. Because you took away everything from me and revealed who I was, I'm going to do the same to you. Leaving Static to be super worried about what's coming next. But we don't get to see that because the next scene, we jump over to a nice restaurant, which appropriately named La Posh. And we see in their back section in the trash sec trash section there are two bang babies who are scrounging around for food and uh, and like safety yeah uh they are puff and onyx onyx is uh you know he's because last episode unfortunately we didn't have anybody too jacked in the last episode um they made up for it here by having onyx be as jacked as possible and he's big <laughs> he's purple he's dangerous and Puff, which I did not remember she had the superpower, but is it's devastating. She can produce different gases from her mouth, mm -hmm. one of which is acidic and can melt a brick wall instantly. And these two decide, after, upon hearing that there's a reward for Rubber Man's capture, they decide <laughs> we, we're powerful as hell. And they're like, we don't want to be heroes because, you know, there's no money in that. Mm -hmm. They don't want to go all villains. They decide right in the middle and they decide to become bounty hunters and try to get rubber band man for themselves. And this kicks off the inevitable conflict where, you know, they're going to have to fight static rubber band man, all of them. Yep. And we circle back to the Hawkins residence where Robert is dealing with the phone calls from reporters. And there's also a, bunch of them stationed outside their home as Sharon's just sitting on at, at the table she's very depressed over the fact of this reveal of rubber band man being stringer Virgil comes into the room and he's automatically just on the aggressive side of mocking Sharon for over the fact that she didn't know that her boyfriend was a criminal while Robert's trying to tell him he's like yo you need to chill she didn't know you're really hurting your sister right now so Sharon ends up running away crying and leaving Virgil basically just in the room, disappointed in his own actions. Because he's realizing that, you know, maybe he did do wrong by trying to pick on his sister over the fact that she was dating Rubber Band Man, one of his first villains. Yeah, it's it's a nice, like, little... Uh, they, don't, they don't go into it hardcore, this idea, but I do like the idea of, you know... It's more that sometimes you don't know who you're with. You don't know who, like who you're really hanging with, who you're really dating until they do something like this and they have this big reveal. And at that point, you need more support. You know, even though you're like, obviously this person's a villain was like, wasn't obvious to them. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a nice, a nice little idea to, to put into the episode. And it, it does pay off in a different way later. And while Sharon is still sorting out her feelings, Virgil is on the street trying to get rubber band man before he gets got and right as he's about to take off his mask in an alley bro go inside um, <laughs> he rubber band man is about to figure out who virgil is and then all of a sudden puff and Onyx show up and try to get their cash yeah, and it just turns into an all-out battle royale brawl between all of them. Uh, Rubber Band Man is able to take out Onyx for a little bit as Puff announces who they are. And this is when we get a chance to see the extent of Puff's full abilities almost as Static is unfortunately in the trash can because that's the only place that he was able to hide slash he was also thrown in there by Rubber Band Man. He has to hide in there because in the moment as Rubber Band Man is able to take his mask, Static is now looking for something to conceal his face. 
So Rubber Band Man is able to escape, fortunately, but now this leaves Static to deal with the mess. As he puts on a mask, kind of just basically, he practiced proper face covering in the in the pandemic. Yes. As he ties a bandana or something around his face, he tries to fight against Puff and Onyx, but Puff sends off a some acidic breath of air that destroys the trash can lid that he's standing on top of, causing him to fall down and knocking himself out as Puff and Onyx leave to go find Rubber Band Man. Yes, and he's got to he's got to watch that too tonight. Oh yeah, that thing. He was rolling around in garbage like it was like a laundry mat machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all burger full discarded burgers. <laughs> They're just green. And so while we're just trying to get himself out of that, we cut back to Sharon, and Sharon gets in contact with Rubber Band Man. He shows up, and she still despite everything, wants to help him. He, she still sees the good in him. So she, of course, because Robert Hawkins runs a community center, he says, you know what? I know some contacts. Let me try to cut a deal with Rubber Band Man. He just has to turn himself in peacefully and we can be good to go. And, he, you know, he starts communicating with the police so the police know pick him up from the house and everything. And somehow <laughs> Onyx and Puff have secured a police telecommunications van and overhear about this deal. And they decide they're going to take advantage of this fact <laughs> and start making preparations to ambush Rubberman man. Now, the this kind of was like an unintentionally funny moment for me because as Sharon is calling her dad, <laughs> he's just pissed. He's like, "Rubber Band Man is where?" <laughs> like, so once he makes that deal, I I just loved it because it was just like he's obviously pissed right now, but he was just like, "All right, fine, fine, fine. I I guess we'll we'll try to help him." So Static, or rather Virgil and Richie, are walking back home. And it leads to the obvious moment of just enjoyment of these like 90s, 2000 shows of just like you're trying to hide something from your family. As River Bandman decides to turn himself into different common house items in order to hide from Virgil and Richie so that they don't stitch on the fact that he's there and gets taken into the police. So he turns into a vacuum cleaner, which Sharon has to pull away. It's a turn into a chair, which Virgil sits on. And at that moment, real he in trying to punch it to make it less lumpy, that's where Rubber Band Man reveals himself as they go into another all-out kind of like argumentative fight. Puff comes up to the door and dresses a police officer. Virgil sees through the disguise. Mm-hmm. And literally, oh God, I, I felt so bad because Onyx just destroys the front of Virgil's house. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it is done for. It is the shocking damage for. in this one. <laughs> we haven't even got to his damage yet, but Onyx, <laughs> Jesus, man. No sanctity for the home. None at all. So in an effort to escape, Rubber Band Man grabs Sharon. They head out the no longer existent front door. Uh, <laughs> static turn, was able to turn off the light to, and then was able to change into his suit and make his way out there too. And the, I'm sorry, it's just like the moment that this happened, I cackled because Static looks back at Rishi and says, like, "Yo, lock up for me." And Rishi's like. <laughs> No worries, got you, fam. And he turns to the open up wall where the door was. It's just like, how how do I lock up now at this point? <laughs> I hope y'all got insurance. Yo, like, word. The, the code of insurance premiums must be huge. Maybe that's how the water park fell apart so quickly. <laughs> For big insurance buyouts. In any case, Virgil goes after onyx and puff and at this point he decides to assist he's he's not going to just let rubber band man get messed up especially because his sister is in danger at this point too so he convinces he gets onyx and puff under the bleachers of this dakota sports arena 
you know, for the life of me, I'm just trying to figure that out because I was like, is this the the school's like setup? Like, because I remember it kind of looked like it, but at the same time, it looked like the like the beginning stages of the stadium where Cyborg was playing in. Right. <laughs> The the Olympic size football stadium. It's like I have no idea what's happening in Dakota, but they got funds. Some the money's coming from somewhere, and I want yeah. I demand to follow the money. <laughs> but once he traps him under the bleachers, he does the classic, you know, make the enemy destroy what you're trapped under, and eventually he has gotten most of the bleachers destroyed so that he collapsed right on top of Puff and Onyx and give us our most shocking damage of the episode because those bleachers are going to take a while to rebuild and I bet there was a home game tomorrow. <laughs> Could and you imagine you come to the home yo, game? Word. Yeah. It was like, where are the fans going to be? <laughs> Standing room only. Wherever <laughs> Batman decides to finally wake up, he crawls himself out of the the fallen bleachers just in time to see this upcoming home game if there ever will be one and he's ready to fight against static one more time the two of them are looking each other in the eyes and they're ready to throw hands and at that moment sharon comes up and it's just like no stop it because earlier in the episode sharon once again wanted to get rubber band man of stringer to calm down a bit like you know he she's telling him that like he has an opportunity to really change his life and turn his life around and one of the things that he needs to do is squash this beef that she that he has with static so he does so for her sake and he looks at static and says like all right i guess we gotta bury unbury them out from this whole thing and that leads into Static and Rubber Band Man finally making amends as we end up in our last scene where Robert Hawkins is walking out of the police station. He, I guess, served as attorney or the guardian for Rubber Band Man because um, he was able to, to work with the police officer to get a deal for him to continue his sentence at the jail, but much safer. Uh, and he'll be out in a couple of months. Yeah, and... That was a point we kind of glanced over, but it is worth mentioning that one of the reasons Rubber Band Man slipped out of jail was because he said, yeah, it was they were treating him rough there, mm-hmm. maybe because it was a bang baby. But it did speak to like, you know, it happens that young youth, particularly young black youth, are put into like horrible, uh, you know, detainee centers and kind of struggle. And they, that kind of messes up development further to be in these harsh environments when they're trying to supposed to be, you know, being rehabilitated. So it was a nice end that they were like, rubber band man truly isn't evil. He was just had a bunch of misfortunes all at once. And now they're, he's on the road to recovery and being a better person. Yeah. Which was very nice to, to see because he does play a big part in later episodes, especially with his own journey of turning over a new leaf. So I'm glad that we were able to see that moment play out. And also at the same time, make a very, like very quickly make that point. It was just like, you know, again, sometimes something small, which not saying that trying to kill a record executive is a, <laughs> a small thing, but rather like in cases like for rubber band, man, he was placed in a, in a position where it just was too dangerous for his own well-being and would not have set him up for success later on. So that is uh, the end of our episode there, Bent Out of Shape, as we come up to our last episode. And funny thing, this episode was actually supposed to serve as the season finale of season one. However, uh, we do have two more episodes in this season. Those were actually released at a later date outside of season one. But because of the artistic style and the costume design that Virgil has as static, these are season one episodes. But we are going to talk about the true season one finale and that episode is junior yes so right away we open up to a dedication for the new gym for the community center presumably the same one that could destroy Mm -hmm. (laughs) episodes ago by an imaginary friend yeah and the dreadbot 3000 (laughs) oh yeah the dreadbot 3000 and we see two dynamics being set up one robert is there with sharon wondering where virgil is because 
he knows how much Robert, you know, the center means so much to Robert and really wants Virgil to be there. And we see Edwin Alva with his son that it has not been introduced yet. And right away, Edwin wastes no time burning his son to an absolute crisp mm. saying, I was sent you to prep school, but that was a lost cause. God yeah. damn. Come on, Edwin. Come on now. Chill. And the hits keep on coming because, you know, there's a lot of stuff later on, but as they are trying to get along with this whole thing, Robert is pissed at Virgil for not uh, showing up to the to the event. As we see now, the reason why that Virgil is laced because he's at a convenience store uh, tackling snake people in leather jackets. Yes, I think these are the same snakes from that old drug anti-drug PSA. Oh, okay. Like you know, the drug dealers, snakes like me. You know, I think I think <laughs> these were the same ones. I think they were selling an eighth. And hmm. you know, just like Batman, he won't break your collarbone, but Static has to put a stop to it. And he manages to stop. Like there were like seven snakes in there. Like there were so many. He was so tired of the snakes in his store. So. <laughs> He, Static, is able to quickly take them out. I do love this one scene in which this one snake tried to sneak up on Static, but the entire time his tail was rattling. So Static <laughs> heard it, and it was just like, you, you really thought you were going to win this one? So Static quickly takes him out. He's once again just celebrated by the police as he realizes how late he is. So he flies on over to the community center, where we jump over to, once again, Shelly Sandoval is back for News 52. Um, that's not the actual news number. I, I think that's just <laughs> like, <laughs> but she's there to talk to everybody who's present at this dedication ceremony as she rolls up on Junior and asks him, how does it feel to know, to have your dad present at a moment like this? And Junior reveals that he tends to put his foot in his mouth as he mentions how this is way better than the indictment that his father had to experience the grand jury, kind of highlighting Edwin Alva's criminal past. Yes, Junior proven that he can lay out some burns of his own, even if unintentional. <laughs> and this, of course, pisses off his dad further, although his dad keeps on a very public face. His dad is not happy with being reminded of his criminal enterprises at this big charitable event. And Virgil gets there, and Robert is also disappointed in him. He's disappointed because, you know, again, this means a lot to him. The center in the gym means a lot to him. And he was disappointed that Virgil is being irresponsible and sees it as a symptom of him being irresponsible lately in general. So, yeah, you really see that he has a struggle of not telling his dad about who he truly is, which, you know, they it's explored in different ways in different superhero media. But here you feel because we know how close they are we know how hard of a burden this is but you know virgil knows the rules <laughs> you can't just go blabbing around your identity so while he's struggling with that again edwin alva throwing more burns at his son because this one i needed to sit oh. back and uh I, I needed my comfort blanket on this one because this one <laughs> jesus you know, it, it, Junior's just trying to say, hey, Dad, I, I, I think I figured out how to work with that quantum gas and stuff. And Edwin goes, I'd be better off with a statue instead of a son. Man, if you didn't want kids, you didn't, you didn't need, dude, Jesus, man. Send him to his mom's if you're, if you're going to treat him like this. He probably has a trust fund, but please let there also be a therapy fund because, ah, man, that just, that, that's daggers. So Edwin Alva Jr. is just done with his dad. He decides to jump on ahead and figure out, just like take on his own thing of deciding to show his dad that he's able to optimize the gas as best as possible. So he breaks into the lab as he is which is i gotta say was a really great parallel that they did here because at the same time that edwin alva jr is having some issues with edwin alva senior virgil's having some his own issues with his dad he's talking about it with Frishy. so 
as Virgil's just like, you know, he's very upset about the unfair treatment. We see how Edwin Alva Jr., who I'm now just going to call Junior Jr., or whatever the character's <laughs> name was from Kim Possible. Um, <laughs> so okay. he, this Junior, decides to go through and put the gas in, like, bubble wrap? Yeah, it's like bubble wrap, basically. And each time that he pops one, he gets a different superpower, which he's now going to use to take down his father's business and destroy it from the inside out. I got to applaud this guy's just like boldness because he goes out, no mask, mm-hmm. no mask whatsoever. So no one recognizes him for some reason, but he... it's like the Superman effect, but this one did not make any sense. Yeah. He's just like <laughs> playing face. He just appeared on the news a day ago. Like, <laughs> I don't know how no one recognizes him. But he decides to terrorize his father's boat that is being driven by an Englishman for some reason in Dakota. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's clear that the, the money is definitely in Dakota. People are flying out to Dakota to get some jobs. <laughs> I guess. But luckily, the boat members are strapped and ready to shoot <laughs> lasers <laughs> at, at Junior Junior. But Junior Junior's powers overwhelm them. The boat starts cracking apart. And luckily, Virgil is on the scene. And it's, oh, my God. It's a great moment here because he tries to use his powers to pick up the boat. You know, because he's feeling pretty good. He stopped the helicopter earlier. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't go anywhere. So he decides (laughs) to take a piece of metal and escort people to safety. And he's like, hey, guys, when you tell them, about the rescue, just skip the part where I tried to lift up the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and in this moment of levity is quickly interrupted as Junior Junior is in the background in his kind of like intangible state from one of his superpowers as he's yelling at Static for stopping this whole thing from happening. Static kind of questions the fact is like did were you responsible for this because you know you're what you're doing is harmful like he understands like he's trying to he, he knows it's probably for a reason because this apparently this ship was a was smuggling guns but he was just like nah but you almost put so many people's lives at risk who are probably really innocent and this is when junior junior reveals his new super villain code name omnifarious which means many forms in latin as according to to, to virgil um so omni goes into attack mode this leads into a a fight between static and he and static as omni turns on his super soldier serum gas <laughs> as he goes incredibly jacked for no reason yes yes he's, <laughs> dude, he's so jacked so and i love uh yeah i love virgil's line here too where he goes i want a written list of all your powers yeah. <laughs> Because as they're fighting, um, he Omni turns on his X-ray vision, another another pocket, and he's able to see that stat, who Static's true identity is. Which he comments, he's like, you know, I don't know who you are, but I feel like I've seen you. Because at the same time, we had that Junior's stat um, identity was revealed. A Static was like, you know what, I do know you. You're Edwin Alva's son seen you in a newspaper so i guess it really just meant that he just needed an up-close look about him yeah um but yeah omni flies away leaving static to worry about his future because omni tells him that like you know i'm gonna find out who you are and when i do that'll be it for you yeah so this is a a pretty tough moment for Virgil because he has to decide like do i tell my dad what's going on and you know who I am and before he has this conversation Sharon who has moved on to a new guy named Reginald don't think I didn't notice Sharon Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she uh (laughs) she's talking to Robert and saying you know Virgil I know he's been irresponsible lately but he he's a good guy at heart like one time I dropped all the when the barbecue meat was dropped at a at, <laughs> at a, a black at the barbecue, family cookout yeah <laughs> which, you know it was a, a cardinal sin virgil took the heat for it even though sharon did it mm-hmm. and you know hearing her confess something so weighty completely changes robert's viewpoint because he really thinks you know 
Robert Virgil hasn't he's a good kid. He doesn't do drugs. He's not out here on the streets for no reason. He knows that Virgil has good intentions. So this leads to another great Robin and Virgil heart to heart. Yeah, so before we get to that heart to heart, we see a conversation though between um, Edwin Alva Jr., Junior Jr. and Senior Senior. Um, it's clear that Junior's actions as omnifarious has been taking out a lot of Edwin Alva's just like buildings, ships, everything. So he's happy about the fact that his dad is just going through all of this just pain and torture here. But as Static is just like, you know what? He realizes that he might have to reveal his identity to his dad because at one point, um, Omni does figure it out, does figure out that Virgil is Static, calls him on the phone, which is just like, how did he get Virgil's number? That was my, that was my <laughs> biggest question. He's telling him that he needs to either step out the way or he's going to reveal his identity. And Static sees that the only way that he's going to be able to do that is if he reveals his identity to his dad because he can't afford to have Omnifarious out there running the muck and destroying everything as the way he is now. And the heart to heart that the two of them have is between Virgil and Robert is Virgil's ready to reveal his identity in that moment. He's ready to tell him that he's static and, you know, he's not as lackadaisical as his father believes him to be. He, the responsibilities that he has are just, are just kind of just really big as kind of what he's been putting forward a lot. Like it's not a matter of not being able to trust each other. It's just that he just trying to protect them at the same time. Yeah. And right before he can, you know, right before Robert can hear the truth, he says, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you, don't need to tell me anything. I trust you. And I, I completely have full faith in what you're doing. So, and Virgil, you know, he's really, you know, he's really encouraged by this and he really loves his father for doing this. And you can feel that in, in this moment. And even in the moment, interesting choice that he still wanted to tell him, he mm-hmm. still wanted to tell him anyway. But things are going down across town. So Virgil's got to get to it. He's got to, he's got to get to work. And Virgil, you know, having as a, as a turn of fair play, he did reveal to Edwin Alva that his son is omnifarious. So Alva decides, I got to take, I got to shut omnifarious down. I got to make sure that my son isn't running amok. So he orders, Alva gets his Decepticons crew together (laughs) and orders his Decepticons to capture. Emphasis on he orders them to capture Mm -hmm. his son. (laughs) Uh, Clearly, Edwin Alva is not great at at his communication skills or they just don't do a great job of listening because the people in his employee decide they are going to take out junior junior once and for all uh maybe they had some friends on that ship or some of the other places <laughs> that omniferous had blown up so static is making his way over he's flying over as omniferous has donned this more kind of like disney's gargoyles-esque kind of look uh he is blasting all the the decepticons and everything is just happening as there leads until one final blast as Omniferous is trying to protect himself as Static looks on with Alva and it's just like, are you not going to protect your son? Are you not going to call them back? And Edwin Alva's just like, I've been trying, but no one's listening. And it's just like a question of just like, is he really doing everything in his power to protect his son? So Static decides to jump in, dropping the most powerful weapon in his employ here, I think. The, oh, whew. Yes, yes. Oh, God. This is a, yep, most shocking moment of destruction right here Mm -hmm. because he lets out this EMP burst that shorts out all of those buildings in the area as well as the Decepticons. However, not only will there be fall damage from the Decepticons crashing to the ground, but hopefully there are no hospitals in that area 
that he just blacked out doing critical surgeries. <laughs> or at least even that one train where somebody just worked the 18-hour shift. <laughs> so yeah. All he's just trying to do is get home. Come on, Static. Contain your EMPs. <laughs> so Static is knocked out, at least, or just, like, very tired. And he's floating back down. This is another time in which he questions Edwin Alva for once again, letting it reach this point between he and him and his son. It's just like, you know, I would have expected that fathers would have done anything to protect their kids as Junior Junior swoops in and he's telling him that this will be his last stand as Omnifarious, you know, even though he was able to take out so many people like this was it right now. This he's going to if his father wants to have a legacy you know, it does, it's not going to be a statue. It's going to be a mountain of rubble as he's ready to take down the entire building as he breaks off all of his filled up bubble wrap bang baby gas and is pressing and popping all of them all at once. This leads into the craziest moment as Omnifarious just is mutating before their very eyes. Yeah, and as... They've hidden at several times in this episode. Omnifarious ends up turning into a statue. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's really horrifying. It's a really horrifying moment, especially for a kid's show. Yeah. To, to see this, this kid just permanently immobilized. And Edwin Alva at one point is like, is he alive? And Sadik goes, I don't know. I, he honestly doesn't know. And there's this very sobering moment where Static is like, I thought a father could work it out with his son, but I guess everybody isn't as lucky as me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that is how our episode ends. We're, We're not sure about the state of Edwin Alva's son here, uh, there's a glimmer in his eyes where, you know, that we could assume that he's still alive, but our episode ends here, and that technically counts as our season finale for season one, and I gotta say, that was a great way to end it on, Um, but that also ends our three episodes that we're discussing today, so that means it's time for the lightning round. (laughs) Yeah, uh, oof. This is hard because they're all they're all good episodes. So you know mm-hmm. when we when we say in order of preference, you know these are just you know personal opinions. But it just these three uh, of these three, I say Winds of Change. I think it would be a little. It's the lowest for me in this rank. It would have been a little higher if I think we would have found more meat and Richie and Virgil's argument. I feel like they could have given us a little bit more there. But besides that, I, I love Heavy Sea and the water park destruction. <laughs> Two for me is, is Junior. I do love the messages of Junior, and I think it is a strong episode. But why I like Bent to Shape the best of this bunch, at least, is because we're setting up a longer redemption arc for Rubber Band Man. I like the idea of him coming back as a different identity and that always being on the table. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that he got an agent in three months invented a, a musical career and was putting on full concerts in Dakota. Like, Rubber Band Man is very impressive, and I think we need to give this man props for his keyboard playing skills. <laughs> what about you? Uh, yeah, for I think if I would go to, to rank them, I agree. Um, Winds of Change could have done a little bit more. I think we spent so much time with like Daisy running point in between the two of them. I think we could have definitely, I would love to see more kind of expression and interaction from her there. Like she, it just felt like we had just opened the door for her in between um, trying to put them back together. And it just kind of felt like I wanted to see a little bit more into that. And their issue kind of was solved as soon as both of them were like hurt. Like, yeah, I kind of wish that um, there was more time for them to understand where the other was coming from. I felt like that scene was a little bit rushed. But agreed, I do love uh, Slipstream or Heavy Sea and his, like, Fat Albert kind of, like, (laughs) styling and 
I, I just loved it all. I think, you know, this this was this was a tough one. I think I love the messages in in Junior, but I would definitely have to give that my favorite more episode will have to be bent out of the shape also because with junior it felt like because we were setting up as an alva for this season to see more like the big bad it didn't really seem like we had an end goal there for him all of it fell upon his son like i feel like if we had a different interaction maybe like edwin alva was responsible more directly for his son becoming omnifarious not it being that like Omnifarious just decided to take on this name and this role and these superpowers to tear apart his father's um, buildup. It felt like we put Edwin Alva a lot to the side for the sake of his son. Mm-hmm. And I agree that redemption arc that Rubber Band Man is being set up for is going to be a really great payoff. Um, I feel like it's a really great way that they did it. It was a lot of fun in those moments that also introduced Puff and Onyx to the canon. And also, it's so unintentionally funny to me, but the whole scene in which Rubber Band Man is following after Static and he ends up turning into a, a trash can that, that Static decides to beat up with a stick and almost gets peed on by a dog. It's so unintentionally funny for such a great episode that it still works in its own way. Yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, sorry we, we glanced over it earlier that, uh, there's a lot of Looney Tunes shenanigans here. Yeah. Of him, of rubber band man changing to various shapes and like contorting himself into objects and like hiding, pretending to be a vacuum, but he couldn't make wheels, you know, because <laughs> wheels are hard. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fun sight gags and humor they, they get out of rubber band man. Yeah. Um, yeah, those were my favorite set of episodes and our favorite set of episodes and kind of one of the main themes I kind of saw was, which I'm going to call it this, uh, relationship static. Like Mm. each episode showed a point in which static dealt with the fact that someone who was close to him, um, he either harmed them in some way emotionally or it just received some kind of rough patch. Like Winds of Change saw a divide or some friction between him and Richie. Next episode, we see it between him and the rubber band man, more about with Virgil and um, Sharon. And then finally, it's like Virgil and his father paralleled with Junior Junior and Senior Senior. So I kind of like the fact that these episodes kind of like dived into showing that relationship side that static and virtual have with the people they're now connected with based off of this whole incident that's happened in his life yeah i i i just yeah i I like this running theme and it really helps tie these together and you know it it makes it seem like we picked these three on purpose who knows (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's all we got you know it's funny they they're there's very little comic book information that I can provide for this, like, at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me Slipstream doesn't have his own series? Slipstream was created as a character for the TV show. So. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Um, I think really the only person that does have, like, a connection to the comics would probably end up being... Um, Rubber Band Man, as we know, as we talked about, he uses um, his comic book identity name was Stringer. So that's the comic book reference of the day. And Edwin Alva Jr. does make it a, co- a comic appearance, but mostly, again, Edwin Alva Sr. is a villain of hardware, the other DC milestone uh, superhero. And Edwin Alva Jr. doesn't pop up until after his father makes more of a heroic turn. And he ends up becoming an ally for for hardware. Doesn't get any kind of superpowers or anything like that, like we see here. So I think it was kind of cool to see this kind of play out in this way because um, it does give an opportunity to add some characteristics and depth to Edwin Alva Jr. to show that, like, yeah, he's incredibly smart. He's a great parallel to you know what Virgil could have been like if if the roles were reversed. Even though these are like brand new stories that were created for the series uh it it makes sense and it has this little 
comic book connection here and there but nothing to say that like yes they definitely pulled from here these are just they just pulled the names from the characters honestly yeah yeah i mean sometimes no nothing wrong with a little originality Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so uh, I, I I like that they took some risks here and, you know, really, really tried some new things. I think that, that you know, is another testament to the show that it didn't once it ran out of source material to really draw from. It wasn't like, all right, well, we're we'll just cut it early. They they went the extra mile to come up with new concepts that would work in this world. Yeah. And definitely these are things that are going to continue on because, again, this was a season one kind of wrap up having these episodes here kind of does open the door for season two because we do have the introduction of Puff and Onyx who do have um, Puff more does have a comic book character um, appearance he does appear in the DC Milestone Static series as one of the um, or in one of the other series might have been like Blood Sith and Get as another member of the gang Um, so but we do have Puff and Onyx here who you know it's great to kind of introduce them as future bounty hunters for the series because that's a, a concept that we never would have thought of going into this. It's always felt like you either had to be a hero or a gang member. Mm-hmm. And it was great to kind of see that they chose a completely different route because they were like, this neither option works for us. And then we have our rubber band man redemption arc. Like this was something that we never got a chance to see in the comics because he was very quickly introduced in the first, you know, in the first initial run of the static series. And then that ended up kind of just stopping for him and then finally we have edwin alva jr and senior i wouldn't say that edwin alva took a more heroic turn like he did in the the, the story in which i introduced his son um but it is kind of cool to see that there's a bit more depth to edwin Al- alva's character now the senior version of him so that that possibly opens up a door to see like hey can he actually make amends to his son, or at least the Dakota community for everything he truly has done, as he was mentioning in the beginning of the junior episode of like trying to make amends and trying to support Dakota and his children. Yeah, I like I like how all this comes around. It just mm-hmm. uh, again, such a rich world and, you, you know, you wouldn't expect going into it. But yeah, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can't wait to see what comes up next. So I'm very much looking forward to that and including what's coming up next for us. We have episodes 12 and 13. That will wrap up our season one of the Static Shock series. As we mentioned before, we're going to do some special things as well. We're going to have in between these um, season breaks, we're going to include some more bonus episodes for you all. So very much take a look at our social media to hear about what's coming up next. And until then... Take care of yourselves and remember to talk things through if you're ever experiencing any relationship static. Yes. And if you're going to do fireworks at your keyboard concert, please test them beforehand. Fire safety (laughs) is important. Only you can prevent stage fires. Exactly. (laughs) 